Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What can Kingdom Hearts teach us about the dichotomy or trichotomy of man. That's right, we're finally doing another Kingdom Hearts episode. It's been a couple years, weirdly enough. Uh, you hear me talk about it enough. Today we're gonna to be discussing some of the villains, the heartless, the nobodies, and the unversed from the Kingdom Hearts series. And we're gonna be comparing some of the lore of those villains to theologies of man. This is gonna be a little bit of a theology heavy episode for the Priest of the Geeks. So be checking in, be ready for this. Guys, I am Joshua Knoll. I am here with uh, one of your favorites, uh, the most common host of the show, um, um, Spidey himself, the one whom actually, the one whom Peter Parker strives to be, the only Christian Ashley. And that's pretty high praise. I'll take it. We're here with a great guest. Um, her husband's been on before, John Early. His wife is now here with us, Barbara Early. I don't know why. That was so many syllables. I'm just not intelligent enough to do that. It's not that uh, hard. No one can ever say the name right first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those where I'm like, why Why didn't, yeah, my tongue just didn't want to move that much, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Barbara, That's one of many Barbara. decisions. Barbara just kind of goes, and then why did I choose this life? I, I just go with it. Like, why did I choose that, that loser? I keep trying to say Barbara <laughs> instead of Barbara, and I don't Barbara. know why. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, you enjoy the content we put out, then we do ask if you can to rate and review the show, Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like and subscribe button, as Will says. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and round circle. What are we all geeking out on? I'll go ahead and start. Uh, Madeline Miller. You know, we talked about her during the short story, and now I'm like deep into Song of Achilles, and I'm already queuing up her next book to order, which I think is the only other one, which makes me very sad because I'm like, uh, when this one ends, I don't want there to be any of that awkward pause time between books. Like, I want to immediately pick mm -hmm. up the next one. <laughs> um, Christian, what nice. you been geeking out on, man? Yeah, uh, I, uh, like I mentioned last time we recorded, am on Birth by Sleep still. So I'm on Aqua's section. I'm almost done. My girl Aqua, loving her mm -hmm. story again. We, we plan through that. So that's what I'm geeking out on. Nice, nice. And uh, Barb, what about you? What have you uh, been doing lately? Uh, well, John and I just discovered this new app called Whatnot. And so I've been watching all the live streamers sell Pokemon cards. So I've been going back and playing my old black game, Pokemon. Fantastic. 
Very nice. Well, guys, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. I couldn't be more excited. If you've listened for any time at all, you know, like my main geekdoms, we got pirates, we got uh, Doctor Who, which has been really relevant lately, and Kingdom Hearts, which we just don't get to do enough episodes on. It's it's very sad. Please ask for more so that I can convince the other hosts that I have to do this more frequently. Um, before we jump into it, let's uh let's go over some of our histories with Kingdom Hearts. Um, if you don't know, I've been playing this since I was ten. I waited the, when the third game came out. Let me tell you how much I'm into Kingdom Hearts. When the I played every single game that's been out every single year since I was ten, which now is a lot of games I have to play every year. And this year I'm doing it twice. And when the third game came out, I saved up money and I bought a brand new TV and couch and everything. I saved up my PTO because I knew a year ahead of time. And I was like, I'm taking a week <laughs> off and this is all I'm doing. This is it, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't I, I actually think it might be impossible for me to overstress how much I love this video game series. Uh, Christian, what's some of your history with this? Well, as a kid, I knew it existed. I remember seeing like some advertisements for it, but I was at that age of like, hmm. This is kind of dorky and not for me. This is obviously just for kids, so I never played it then. Then in college, uh, my buddy, uh, roommate Cameron, a uh, mutual friend of all of us here, was playing the rechain of memories from the remix on uh, the main TV in our apartment. I was like, oh, I recognize those guys. Okay, that's kind of weird. And then moving on with my life, and you know what? Maybe I'll try it myself. Did that. I played the first couple games, fell in love, kept playing it over and over again. I'm thinking this would be my... I know nothing compared to Joshua was my third go through of the entire franchise. Uh, I love this <laughs> series far so more much. Normal. It's a far more normal <laughs> fan there. Um, I am. I am absolutely the extreme. I, I, yeah, there's there's, there's got to be very few people who love it the way I love it. Uh, Barb, what is your history with Kingdom Hearts? Um, I want to say I'm more like you. I started playing it when I was 10. Yeah, I, I played almost I almost Almost have played every single game. The only ones I haven't played are the, like the side stories on uh, the phone or the the Game Boy. Oh yeah, those are hard. Yeah, I don't do the phone ones. When I when yeah. I say I played every one every the, year, I skip the phone ones because it's yeah. impossible yeah. to beat them. They, they exist. You can They're watch like the, the movie for the yeah. mobile game. It, I do it, watch it explains movie, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it explains nothing. <laughs> I have only been able to play Kingdom Hearts three once completely through because three kids, not enough time. Yeah, that's but valid. all of the other ones, I think I've played through enough times that John has finally asked me to stop. I'm not allowed to play that's it when hilarious. he's in the house. <laughs> that's but, yeah, my wife is just like, I'm going to take a nap. Mm -hmm. Go turn Kingdom Hearts on because she knows there's zero chance of me bothering her if Kingdom Hearts is on. <laughs> well, my youngest wants me to play it such all a the time now. Beautiful. Well, I can play that's, it. <laughs> that's, that's a great reason to have children to play Kingdom Hearts again. <laughs> Well, she's two and a half, but she recognizes Mickey and all the other Disney characters. And yeah. so she wants me to play it for that. Especially now that three has like tangled and frozen and stuff, too. Exactly. So now it's like relevant for younger kids, too, which that was the thing. A lot of people kind of hated on Kingdom Hearts three because it was a lot easier than it was. But I feel like it was a good entry point for kids, which is definitely what the game was originally intended for. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think Kingdom Hearts has the same uh, problem Doctor Who has. If y'all have ever heard the uh, the slogan of it's too dark for kids, too silly for adults. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. Don't hate me, but I have never seen Doctor Who. Oh, well, just trust me that that's accurate. That's okay. <laughs> it's oh, one man. of my two to no. watch things, though. 
Yeah, which now is actually a really good time to get into into it because they're kind of like resetting a lot of stuff. Um, it's yeah. on a oh, fun Disney story plus now, I think. Oh yeah, the specials. The specials are yeah. on Disney Plus, and whenever they start the series back up, it's going to be yeah, mm-hmm. which I'm excited for. Um, yeah, fun story. This is this will be it for our background with Kingdom Hearts. I just I have to share. When I was, I think I was in middle school. I went to our church's camp, and you don't sleep when you're at camp. I don't know if anybody knows that, but you don't sleep. And I was always because of where my birthday fell. I was like in that awkward where I could go to nine to an eleven, or I could go to eleven and thirteen. And I had one of my best friends who was on the younger ones, and one of my best friends were in the older ones when I was a kid. So I just did both. So I just went for two weeks and just didn't sleep at all. And then my parents were going to teach the next camp, so they weren't going to be home. So when I came back, I had to go to mine and my best friend's house, who was also our pastor's house. And they have like a whole basement where we could hang out. And I fell asleep Mm -hmm. while having him play Kingdom Hearts because I used to make all of my friends play. It was like a requirement to be my friend, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just brought Kingdom Hearts (laughs) with me everywhere I went. And literally, according to him, I can't testify. But, you know, he's a pretty honorable guy. Uh, According to him, I fell asleep and proceeded to still tell him where to go. He was like, you were playing the game in your sleep. You were like, next is this room. Next is this. And I was like, I didn't even know what you were talking about. (laughs) And somehow it lined up. I was like cool oh i uh yeah that's that's my attachment i play it in my sleep up here like or used to and today we're actually weirdly enough we're not gonna be talking about the plots of the games or our favorite game moments or anything like that which Mm -hmm. i'm sure they'll come up because they're just all so good and beautiful and wonderful and i'm just platinum kingdom Mm -hmm. hearts 2 for the first time and honestly i just love pete's edition i'm not gonna sit on it but man when Pete shows up and you have this like villain who's just as villainy as Maleficent, but also just a goofball, you're like, yeah, this is this is classic Disney right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good stuff. Um, Actually, yeah. Did any of y'all want to just like, is there any moments you just want to uplift real quick before we jump into the meat of this? They weren't expecting this. If yeah, I had yeah. a clock noise. I'd play it. That's always good. <laughs> I have to go through how many games to find one specific yeah. moment. I mean, just, you know, just anything that just randomly pops in. No. Your head. It doesn't have to be a favorite moment. My well, my favorite moment is definitely when in the first game when Sora was um retrieving Kyrie's heart. I want to say that's one of the only times I've ever cried playing a video game, and I was ten. Mm. <laughs> Man, I get that. <laughs> Honestly, if, if uh, I was to pick a favorite moment, I think it's when after Riku has gone through everything in Chain of Memories, and he's kind of gone mm-hmm. through where he's going to go on the dark path, but he wants to be a good guy still. Oh, when right. he finally gets reunited again with Sora. And then you go through everything with like dream distance and you're like, oh, man, the fact that Riku made it back, you know, like because it wasn't like I guess it was a redemption arc, but it wasn't a true redemption arc. It wasn't like he was ever completely evil. He was never completely evil. He just had to go through a different path. And when he finally made it back, you're like, oh, yeah, it was just very rewarding. Okay, this apparently uh, is favorite moment time. (laughs) I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that came up while I was thinking. And it's in three where Riku, Mickey, and Sora have all gone to the realm of darkness to retrieve Aqua. They've finally managed to get her after she's mm-hmm. been in there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and you feel that hope that you, you knew that they were going to do it, but it finally happens. And that feels pretty dang good to experience and to be the one to help actually bring that about as you're playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, Kingdom Hearts fans it's not one of the biggest fandoms or anything like that, but people who are fans typically are like some of the most loyal fans of any fandom. Like mm-hmm. they're like really into it. Like the amount of websites that are just fan sites of Kingdom Hearts is just wild for a thing. That's really not that big to merit that many sites. 
Um, but even like for those of us like me and Barbara, I don't know if Christian had the same experience, but you know, when I'm 10, Kingdom Hearts 2 wasn't, didn't come out that far after Kingdom Hearts 1. But then you have this like 12 year gap that you're waiting. You're waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3. Every year you're checking E3 to be like, did they finally announce it? Mm -hmm. Did they finally announce it? Did they finally? And even me, I didn't care that much about romance, but I'm like, gosh darn it. I just want to see Sora and Kyrie finally get together. <laughs> I spent literally half my life by the time it came out because it came out I was like 28. I was like, I spent 14 years or something. I'm like, I've been waiting for this for Sora and Kyrie to get together. And then they only kind of get back together. And you're like, ah, I guess I'm waiting again. <laughs> and I'm not upset about it for some reason. I'm just You've like, been okay. no <laughs> oh, man. So let's get let's get to today's actual topic. We're going to be kind of focusing on the bad guys, not just the, like, the main bad guys. You know, you have your main bad guys of like, um. Yeah, you have your main bad guys where it's Maleficent, right? You have Pete from Disney stuff. You have, um, you know, Hades is a bad guy. You have Ansem, who's having the Heartless. Like, there are main villains. But in a video game, you have these, like, little guys that you have to fight along the way. Because otherwise, it's just boring. You're just trying to find Hades. No, you got to fight something along the way to get to Hades, right? Mm -hmm. So the mechanic they choose for this, where originally it was just the Heartless, Later, we will discover something called the nobodies. And then after that, you kind of discover the unversed and they kind of play a much more minor role. And it's kind of like, does that really count? Today, we're counting it because we're also going to be debating dichotomy and trichotomy of man and soul and spirit. And we're going to get into some weird, funky theology stuff. It's going to be great. But a quick breakdown, Christian, when someone becomes a heartless, nobody, whatever, how, like how do these things get created? Let's start with like the basics and then we'll dive in a little bit more detail. Okay. As with many things in Kingdom Hearts, this is just so difficult to explain because there's there's two different types of Heartless. There's the pure bloods mm -hmm. who are they're the ones that are just naturally born uh, from the darkness that exists in everyone's heart. So they're the ones you're going to typically see in like the realm of darkness. Uh, and then we have the emblem Heartless, and these are like artificially created. So probably something saying or it did uh, brought them about. So that's most of the time what you're going to see. Both of them, excuse me, I think, which ones actually have a heart? <laughs> I, sometimes it's both, sometimes it's just one. I think Emblem, you're probably going to see more heart than them. And they kind of come into being when Heartless invade a world. They fr kill a person, and that separates their heart from them because the Heartless are always seeking after hearts to try and reunite themselves back to where they used to be. And we're creating more Heartless in the process. And that's mm -hmm. why the Keyblade is able to, when they destroy a Heartless, they're reuniting that heart back to where it originally came from. And I'm sure there's 50 different lore pieces. The I've Kingdom forgotten Hearts. that, Mary, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, the Kingdom basic Hearts, breakdown, you know, if you were to become a Heartless, because, uh, you know, the, the emblems, I think, were created. You said Xehanort, for those who don't know, um, mad scientist guy who wants to control all of the spirit realm of basically is kind of what you're getting at. It's it's weird. Explaining Xehanort's an entire separate episode. He's just a mm -hmm. bad guy who no, can no, Joshua, try to create his own it's, things. It's simple. Everyone is either <laughs> Sora, Kyrie, or Xehanort. Everyone. Everyone is one of those Even three Donald people. and Goofy. <laughs> okay. Goofy He's exaggerating, Xehanort. but it is kind of a problem where a lot of times you find out, oh, wait, that was actually just Sora, but his nobody. Oh, that was just Sora, but his heartless. So that was just Sora, but, you know, in a different <laughs> timeline. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, but when we're going to be talking about these three things, um, if I right now let the darkness in my heart kind of take over me, 
the my heart itself, my heart becomes a heartless, which makes no sense. The body that gets left behind, the shell, becomes a nobody. So my body is a nobody. My heart is a heartless. The unversed don't happen from that. My understanding is the unversed occur when you have really strong emotions. Those emotions can become the unversed. Is that a correct understanding? Negative. Either of y'all remember? Negative emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And they, um, they came about because of uh, Xehanort experimenting on Ventus. Which split him into Ventus and Vanitas, which is kind of like the darkness inside of Ventus. And because of the way Vanitas was made, his negative emotions like so was so big, the unverse kind of came out yes. of that and they spread. Yeah. And Ventus is one of the main characters of one of the side games, basically, right? I mean, that's all I need yeah, to know. Yeah, Birth by Sleep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Barbara, did you have anything to add as far as like just like the basics? Do we kind of nail it or? Um, you kind of nailed that. it, but as far as I understood, in order to create a nobody, um, when the heart is taken from your body, you have to be of strong will. Oh, yeah. Like a very, yeah, very yeah. strong will yes. person. Mm. So yeah. then it's like yeah. everybody who has their heart taken away from them, they either have their heart, uh, their bodies disappear. And then the ones who are left behind are the ones of strong will. That, yeah. That's what I got from it. Yeah. Well, that's a what's interesting. That's also why you get some of like uh, summons. So in the first game and second mm -hmm. game, some different things you can summon like Simba or, you know, some of the genies. Genie's weird. We, we don't count genie in this conversation. Always but, you know, Simba, Bell. Stitch, different ones. Tinkerbell is a good one. Oh, yes. And mm -hmm. they'll come from worlds that were consumed by the darkness, but their spirit, not their heart, their spirit was so strong, there was mm -hmm. kind of like a fragment left behind. So you're able to summon Simba because his spirit was stronger than, you know, his heart or the world or whatever else there. So you're able to kind of use that magic to have him join you in the fight. And then later when you see him in Kingdom Hearts 2 and his world's back, he still recognizes you. So it's not like his spirit was a completely detached thing. Mm -hmm. He still realized, had real experiences with the character. Um, for those who don't know, Simba is the main character of Lion King. <laughs> I feel like people know that one. I'm not going to explain the Disney characters. I'll explain the other ones for you. But if you don't know the Disney ones, that's on you. <laughs> All right. So then let's let's jump in. Let's let's talk about the Heartless. Um, how do you guys feel? Let's let's start with Barbara. How do you feel about like the idea, the very concept of a Heartless, of like darkness being able to consume you so much that the darkness becomes your heart and becomes a separate entity? Um, I mean, I can see that happening even in our world today because you have people who go through very dark experiences, whether it's um, heartbreak or just evil itself. Um, I can see the point where, like, say in the video game, someone who's just very depressed can be swallowed by the darkness. And then whether or not they have a strong will is a different story. But... I suppose it just depends on like the level of darkness itself as to what kind of heartless they would turn into. I know the most common one is the shadow, the one that you have on the screen, but you also have like the, I think they're the, like the soldiers and the warriors and things like that. But it's very common to see nowadays, even in just, you know, walking yeah. outside or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, so we're going to talk about like real world. <laughs> you, you definitely see someone who well, <laughs> maybe enjoyed like, a little bit of alcohol here and there, maybe enjoyed, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of this and then slowly, you know, gambling, whatever. It's not just addiction. I mean, there are other things, uh, you know, I think lying, different things like this where you started and it was kind of innocent. Maybe you told a lie to save someone's feelings, whatever else. And eventually it builds up and builds up. Mm -hmm. And we see stories where someone's become a completely different person after they let this kind of consume them. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Question. Do you have anything as a, like the practical end or even like the, the game end? And you're just like, I want to know whose heart was it that became that big fat thing that I couldn't hit in Agrabah <laughs> who was blowing fireballs at me. Like who, who was that? Whose heart? I mean, did they just have really bad cholesterol? Like why was he fiery? Yeah, why yeah. was he huge? What's going on? Here? Yeah. For all the problems they caused me, they kind of deserve to die. Um, <laughs> no, I, and a heartless and a lot of other, these things too, have nobody's unversed are kind of similar to the way, not a one-to-one of like the Tulpa or the Sprolpa you kind of get from Tibetan Buddhism, that idea of a thought being, being created by the ideas in your head or like the thoughts in your head. Like, like I said, not a one-to-one, but the heartless being made from your heart, from what is inside of you, the evil inside of you creates this being. Or, you know, the nobody, mm-hmm. your heart is your body and soul are just that strong and you're able to act after death, but you're left without what actually made you a human being. I really enjoy experiencing that part of the game because you can just play these games and move on with your life or and there's nothing wrong with that. Just have fun with the game or you can get deeper into the lore and look at these things and it gives you a better appreciation for what's happening on screen as convoluted as things get. And I love convoluted things, so I'm OK with that. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Catch us live at events we are holding or attending. Get updates when we post new episodes of the podcast. See our other favorite content that we lift up and support, as well as just see our beautiful faces and engage with us through messages. Maybe watch a reel and give us the feedback of what you think of the show. Well, and it's a it's one of those speaking of things you could ignore. Is it's actually when you're playing the second games when you first encounter the nobodies um which is also a little bit infuriating for me because you're already two games in before kingdom hearts 2 and it's like where where were these things the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like all of a sudden this just shows up but hey you know with video games they had different ideas later than what they started with and they just kind of changed things as they went um and what's what's interesting is you you meet the nobodies then you're taken to um it's not merlin who who is the yen said yen i'm thinking right yeah, I didn't know if I pronounced his name right. Um, but when you get up there, he starts explaining who Heartless and Nobodies are. And you actually have little books that you can open and you can learn all about the histories of the Heartless and the mm-hmm. Nobodies. Um, Christian, you want to go ahead and um, let everybody know, as far as the Nobodies and this concept of not everybody has a strong enough will. Actually, I think it's perfect for him to talk about because uh, this is this is a theme in a lot of Marvel stuff. You know, Spider-Man is able to conquer a lot and be as powerful as he is because why Mm -hmm. Um, willpower? Willpower is its own magical, cool thing. And um, your will can keep your body alive without you. It's very interesting in these games. Uh, Break this down. How does this work? What makes sense to you? What doesn't make sense? And do we see any kind of like, um, like we talked about Heartless. We're going to see people getting taken over in this world. Do we see anything similar to a nobody in our world? Like as far as like a... on a real practical thing that's like, oh yeah, that's a, that exists in our world and just different. It's a very Japanese idea. Not to say it's exclusively Japanese, but that whole heroic spirit kind of idea of there's enough in me to where I have a will. I can overcome these obstacles if I just believe in myself or if I just have my friends beside me. As a typical shonen protagonist is going to be that guy mm-hmm. who just, you know, <laughs> if I just believe in my friends and faith and anime Jesus or whatever, I can do whatever I want to do. And they didn't transpose (laughs) that idea into, hey, I have that will, but it's still not enough for me to stay whole, creating this 
body outside of my body that has taken on my form somewhat and has no real will of its own, be, even though I, it took my will to create it, it's still not entirely there yet. It can be led astray by someone else. And as we, if I remember correctly, every type of nobody corresponds to a member of Organization 13. So the yeah. Dusks are Roxases, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'd have to look that up again. Yeah. But as far as like real that. world applications, I mean, you've I've got your typical mythology of, you know, the doppelganger or the fetch or something like that, Ooh, yeah. where there is someone out there who uh, acts like you, looks like you, but is not you. They're acting mm -hmm. in more evil ways. You know, your Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation, except there's a literal split between those bodies in the situation. So, yeah. Yeah. So just to expound on that a little bit, the, the nobodies, most of them look like, you know, what we see on the screen here or some kind of variation of that, where they're just kind of white monster looking creatures with different symbols on them. The really powerful ones, though, their will was so strong, it maintained a real kind of body. So mm -hmm. whenever Sora becomes a heartless in the first game, which, yeah, spoilers, I guess. But guys, I, come on. At this point, if you if you didn't know, you didn't know. <laughs> Whenever he becomes heartless, the second game, you start off, you play as Roxas, who you find out was the nobody created when Sora became a heartless, which is why they needed to kind of reintroduce Roxas back into Sora for Sora to be kind of his own complete thing. And then you find out Roxas is another person and also is Sora. And I don't know, it's it's wild. It's weird. But uh, that's where Organization 13 are all people who look like people, but they're really nobodies. And what's interesting is that they go around and they talk about they don't remember the real name or they're doing mm -hmm. this thing as they have to do this thing. Like they don't actually have any true identity in of themselves, right? They're just will with body, which means they're really easy to manipulate and control if you're Xehanort, for example. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It, it's it's fascinating how it all works. I see it in our in our world in the sense that there are plenty of people out there who have a lot of will, have a lot of passion, but don't really have anything that they're putting it in. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for me, we're getting to this a little bit later, but the soul, when you look at like when Greek could use the word soul, which is, you know, when we're talking about the Greek language, that's the whole New Testament. It's that thing which made you lively. And that's where when we talk about like music having soul, it's because it's lively music. So when I think of that thing that makes me lively, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is part of my soul. It does give me a sense of life. Like, it, you know, it, it fuels me. And I think that's the thing that's interesting about these nobodies are they're not just heartless. I mean, what's ironic. They 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 don't only not have a heart because they're not heartless, but you know what I mean? They don't have hearts. Yes. They also don't seem like they have any spirit. They don't have any soul. There's nothing that makes them lively. They just exist, which is why they're all usually pretty cold. Mm -hmm. um, which it's funny because I think a lot today, a lot of times your heroes are these cold scientists that don't really have a personality or a lot of passion. They're just cold scientists who logically, this is the right thing to do. And I'm like, you know, uh, Tony Stark, Sherlock Holmes, all that. And I'm like, I, I kind of like that the bad guys are that. And here the good guys are the ones with all the spirit. I mean, you look at Sora, mm -hmm. Donald and Goofy, they're having fun. Their ship runs on smiles and laughs. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is what good guys look like. Good guys aren't these stoic, cold, hard, like heartless, whatever's. Good guys are happy, joyful, love and want to spread those things. Um, Barbara, sorry, I'm not trying to take all the airtime. I just I'm really passionate about this game. No, you're fine. I kind of just wanted to add in that when you think of like a nobody, it's especially when you come to Organization 13, you kind of see that one, they don't really have any memory from before they were born as a heartless. I mean, uh, a nobody, I'm sorry. Um, but it's yeah, almost like they, 
they, they, they've forgotten how to show emotion, period. There's a, there's a few scenes in Kingdom Hearts 2 where it's like um, Demix was pretending to laugh or pretending to be happy, but then he just suddenly drops all of his emotion. Or Larzine is just completely yeah. witchy, but she, see, yeah, she seems <laughs> to be doing it because she thinks that's what she's supposed to be doing. Not yeah. necessarily she feels that way. Yeah, I think a lot of us do stuff like that in, in the real world where we're doing stuff or mimicking things other people do because we're kind of told that that's a thing. Like, Christians exactly. act this way, so I guess I should act this way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, we have to consider our sources, too. We're told, uh, and they are told themselves by Zimnus, hey, nobody's don't have a heart. You don't have emotions. Well, as we find in Dream Drop Distance, that's not true. Oh, yeah. They don't start off Absolutely. with a the heart. They Absolutely. learn along the way. And Axel, you know, becoming Lee again, uh, mm -hmm. then no one calling him by his real name. <laughs> it's just funny on its own. But like they, they learn over time, like they start as this kind of husk with nothing but become something along the way. So it's not like nobody's have no hope of ever achieving anything. But Zen this tries right. to keep them that way because they're more controllable that way. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, no, that's another very fascinating part of the, the lore. Oh, man. Um, all right. Let's jump to the last one. Before we get to our conversations, dichotomy, trichotomy, we're going to talk about the unversed. Um, I don't want to put Barbara on the spot, so I'm going to put Christian on the spot. Could you <laughs> remind me, because I don't even remember, where do we first see the unversed and how are they originally explained? Well, we first see them in Birth by Sleep, and they're essentially the heartless of the game since the heartless haven't been released from the realm of darkness at this point in history, like all the, the world's. At this point in time, they're supposed to just stay in their own world, but only like Keyblade Masters are the ones who are supposed to be able to go out and fight evil and all that, make sure the worlds are in where they're supposed to be. Uh, so, like I said earlier, like they are born from Xehanort experimenting on Ventus, who is one of your three main protagonists for Birth by Sleep. He has lost kind of memories of who he is, uh, dealing with that amnesia, trying to find who he wants to be in this world. We'll come to find out this mysterious guy who looks like Sora along the way because of shenanigans that happen within the game where Ventus <laughs> ties himself to Sora's heart and all this jazz. Uh, uh, fun times. It, he, as long as he is alive and the negativity that was caused by him being forced out of, of Ventus's body, all the darkness inside of Ventus creates the Unversed. And as long as he is around, Unversed exists. So for a time, uh, Venetus is... Uh, kind of put away that's why they're not in kingdom hearts one through uh birth by sleep it's gonna be a dream drop distance outside of birth by sleep they show up in three again because venetus himself shows back up oh yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah kingdom hearts 3 was very much like end game of of the kingdom hearts series where you see everything coming back and colliding mm -hmm. and if you didn't play the side games and stuff you're kind of like wait a minute who's that who's this what's going on huh um but yeah man it was a lot of fun all these characters coming back, all the villains being back. Um, yeah, the unversed, I, I find it really interesting. Um, I, I think what I find interesting is the term negative emotions. They're only brought into existence by negative emotions because in my mind, and maybe this is just a me thing, I, I can't think of real negative emotions because sometimes uh, anger is a positive thing and it's something that you should have. Jesus had that, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. uh, you should be sad and sad is actually good for you. So I'm like, I don't, I, I think maybe it's it's because as I I'm, maybe I'm thinking too non-binary because I'm like I, what what do you mean negative emotions, um, Barbara? How, how do you feel about the term and uh, what they did with the unversed here? 
Well, I feel like when everyone refers to negative emotions, they always think of something that's, you know, affected them in a negative way. But I mean, if you've seen the movie, uh, like Inside Out, sometimes sadness or negative emotions, yeah, it, it helps people process and it helps, you know, people come to terms with things like grief or so when you think of negative emotions, they're not always going to have a negative impact on you. It, it, like you said, it's good to have anger. It's good to have grief. It's good to have sadness, but it's also like maybe depression or you know guilt or um envy or greed stuff like that too which are definitely not good things to have yeah it's yeah. the the sometimes part right that causes the actual like it is good to grieve that meant that you loved that person or that thing mm-hmm. or whatever so much that it is hurting you, but it is not good to remain there. It is not good to let that control you. And that's where the, the negative part of that comes in. Right. Is when you let that something that could be used for good linger. Or you you feel righteous anger as I, oh, no, there are refugees in the world. And why isn't anyone doing anything? But you lash out at the wrong person who has nothing to do with the problem. Right. Because you yourself had just been mired in this negativity. That's when something like an unburst could come into being. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, man, it's interesting to, because like, I even think that some positive emotions that things that we typically think of positive can be negative. You know, if I love something that I should not love, you know, Mm -hmm, like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's plenty of things like that, you know, like, uh, that can be a negative emotion. Um, I think what was interesting is that has to be a really strong negative emotion. It doesn't necessarily... If my understanding is it didn't necessarily matter how negative it was as much as how strong the emotion was for it to come into existence. Is that kind of the correct understanding, Christian? Yeah, I mean, especially well, I just played this not too long ago. It's uh, when Aqua is in Cinderella's world and Lady Tremaine's anger at not having one of her daughters like be chosen as the princess of the land actually draws an unversed to attack Cinderella. Like she wasn't controlling it, but because her feelings were just that dark, mm, like yeah. Aqua notices like, man, this lady's pretty dang dark. And mm-hmm. it's because of that that actually draws it there. So that's where the power comes from. It th- Like she had no idea Unversed exists, but her feelings were just that strong enough it brought one there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All interesting stuff. And, and I think part of what makes me think tie this to the dichotomy, trichotomy arguments we have within Christianity is really it's because it's not very clear in the game either right because we talked about earlier you can have summons and that's basically someone's spirit was strong enough that it comes out but you also have your body turns to nobodies when your heartless becomes when your heart becomes a heartless and it's like okay so originally it seemed like there was this dichotomy your heart becomes a heartless your body's left behind so that means in the world of kingdom hearts hearts and bodies make up human But then you find out if your emotions are strong enough, they can become its own thing. If you're completely destroyed, your spirit can be summoned through, you know, magic and different stuff because some part of you is still left behind. So are there spirits? Is there just heart, body? I mean, what is going on? Um, How how would you guys, if you had to attempt to describe the parts that make up a human in Kingdom Hearts? Not real life. We're not going to go there yet. Let's start with (laughs) Kingdom Hearts. What makes up a person? Um, Barbara, would you care to start us on this one? Well... Like, the three main things in Kingdom Hearts I've noticed is definitely, like, the body, the heart, and then the spirit. But when you think about that, you know, your body is just like an empty husk, which is then filled with heart and spirit. When your heart is gone, that's not a big deal, because if you have a 
strong enough will, you can stay alive as a nobody. But is that really living? You're not, you have to start again from scratch as an empty husk. But then your yeah. spirit, if you have a strong enough spirit, you could be summoned and you could still be helpful. You have memories, you have emotions. It's just, it's complicated, but I think in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. And it's hard because I think a lot of people would skip the spirit thing because, you know, summoned mm-hmm. were just kind of, we wanted to have a cool magic thing that included more Disney characters. But when I look at these other things, like it definitely seems like in the Kingdom Hearts world, there is more than just heart and body or nobody. Like there's mm-hmm. more than that. Um, it seems like to me, Christian, what's what's your analysis of how people are made up of specifically in the Kingdom Hearts universe? It's essentially three parts, as we said, it's heart, body and soul. Now, I did not know this information offhand. That's why I had to look it up before we did this. Hearts are actually one of the most debated topics within the fandom and within the games themselves, which is why Xehanort does what he does, because he is intrigued by the heart. That's why Anson the Wise did what he did. It's like, hey, what is a heart? And it kind of seems to be like one of these things that really it's just kind of metaphysical. It doesn't really have like a, a strict definition because hearts can be made of both light and dark. And that's one of the things like we see Riku along the way. You would think darkness would just be evil because all we've seen Mm -hmm. is darkness being used as evil. But Riku is able to use his heart, channel the darkness in a way that can help other people versus, you know, Sora more likely is going to be going through light. And, you know, Kingdom Hearts is light, of course. It's also, you know, Kingdom Hearts is also a place, a thing, an idea, and a state of mind. And whatever else you want to add to that list. (laughs) Then we get to the body. The body is just the literal physical thing that keeps everything inside. But the soul in Kingdom Hearts is what actually gives you life. If I'm reading these things correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it is interesting. I think that's probably about where I would, how I would explain it. It's just somewhere between y'all's. I'd probably say spirit instead of soul, just because I haven't seen the word soul in Kingdom Hearts that much, Mm -hmm. but I could. Uh, Secret Anson Report 4 says otherwise, according Ah, to the wiki. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. That's right. You can actually collect uh, secret reports from Ansem all throughout the first games. But who actually reads them, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not many people actually read them. I think I've read them once, but I was like 13. You got to cut me a break. <laughs> um, no, I know. I think it's all it's all really interesting how they make it up. And I think it's interesting that in this, a heart isn't, you know, your physical heart. Like, it doesn't look like the guy pulled it out of Temple Doom, Temple of Doom, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's very yes. much more a what makes up your soul and what also is when we're talking about like light dark thing is in kingdom hearts you do have good and evil you have that but it's not the same thing as light and dark because you see the good guys using light and dark but you also see ansem and mm-hmm. xehanort finding a way to use the light for the bad guy side so it's kind of like mm, yes yeah light and dark good and evil two different things in this universe that also would be a fascinating episode so uh guys drop down below let me know that you want me to do that so i can keep doing kingdom hearts episodes <laughs> right, if you so don't already have like 10 other sign up. i have somebody on the topic list topic and christian's issue. like the old christian and james are the only ones who really signed up um christian let's go into let's go into actual theology we're going to leave the kingdom hearts world for a second and see how it compares to what we all think about the dichotomy or trichotomy of man when it comes to christian doctrine what makes up a human um and and as we go along uh, this is one of the few things that uh well i'll admit i'll admit that i think 
the further we progress in science, the harder it is to make these distinctions. Because you find out a lot of the things that people thought of as soul, well, different parts of your brain can actually make up what we're talking about. So it is a physical thing that's high, that's happening in your body that's making this thing that we think of a soul as happening or spirit or any of that kind of thing, which I think does make this complicated, right? Because now we can't just say all of our emotions that's coming from my spirit. I'm like, well, actually hormones being released that trigger something in my mind that makes me feel this way. And it's like, well, so is that really my body doing it? I mean, where does that fall? I think it gets a little bit trickier when we start considering these things. And I do want to take that into account. Um, I don't think Kingdom Hearts takes that into account at all. I was going to say very well, but I just don't think it can't take it into account at all. Um, and originally, early on in the church, you have usually we have the trichotomy set up where, you know, people have read the Bible and it talks about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And they kind of come up with this theory, different places in the Bible talks about your spirit. So the theory originally or not originally, there's always been this debate. It was more heavy sided towards trichotomy. We're looking at like Ansem. We're looking at like Augustine believing that. There is my body, there is my soul, which is that thing that can go up to heaven, that thing that makes me lively. And then there's my spirit, which is a separate thing from my soul. And we get to some of that when we look at like the book of Hebrews, different places where it talks about separating your soul and spirit. And then there's all these debates of, well, if it is a trichotomy, what's a soul and what's a spirit? What makes the difference up? Right. Um, which is all fascinating stuff. As we've come along and uh, Martin Luther, different people in the Reformation came up, the dichotomy setup has been more popularized of saying that humans within this is within Christianity are made up of bodies and souls. And that's it. There's no separation. There's no mm -hmm. separate thing called spirit. Um, and that's kind of the debate. Is it dichotomy? Is it trichotomy? What makes up a human in the Christ according to Christian doctrine? Well, we haven't settled it yet. We're still debating I'd love to hear you guys take. I'll let you know. I am in the trichotomy camp. I do think there's a separate thing between my soul and my spirit. I think I misspoke earlier. I think I would say my spirit is that thing that goes up to heaven. The soul is that thing that's what makes me lively, which is what I would say is constructed of like Kingdom Hearts, church, my friends like Ashley, all these things build up my soul. That is that thing which makes me lively. And my spirit is that thing that connects with God, speaks to the Holy Spirit, and then one day goes up to heaven. And my body is that thing that contains both of those for me. Like, I don't think that they're all separate. I would say that my body, my soul, my spirit are all connected. I'm not this body that just happens to contain a thing. I am an embodied soul and an embodied spirit is how I would view it. Um, Christian, how are you answering this question? Dichotomy, trichotomy, something else. Well, before that, I do want to say Ansem is my favorite early church father. <laughs> Loved his writing. <laughs> uh, you you uh, knew what I was trying to. Well, actually, it is Ansem, isn't it? Isn't that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Ansem the Wise. No, I mean Church Father. Is it, There was a Church Father that was just Ansem, right? I, I mean, sure, Keep if you going. say so. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'll be perfectly Anselm. honest. This is something I that... I forgot the L. Anselm. Yeah. Uh, you were on your Kingdom Hearts mind. It's not your fault. Uh, <laughs> this has been one of those uh, things that I haven't wrestled with that much. Not to say I've never applied my mind towards it. I do, at the end of the day, between dichotomy and trichotomy, I lean surprisingly against Joshua in dichotomy. But it's also one of those things, this is not a tier one issue of whether or not, not to say this doesn't matter, but as far as like shaping your church and what can be, you can have these opposing viewpoints in the same church. I'll put it that way. Whether if it's just body and soul slash spirit, or is it body, soul and spirit, I combine the two because I don't really see too much that makes them different when I read scripture, but I know plenty of other people smarter than me have looked at the exact same book 
and said, well, this is defined here. Like the, the basic idea, and I mean basic, basic. So I, I'm compiling a lot of really smart stuff into simple, simplistic processes here. The soul basically equals consciousness. That's you being aware of yourself, your surroundings, your ability to do things. It's kind of closer to sentience versus sapience. And the spirit kind of things is the ability to perceive and wrestle with the supernatural. So yeah, I see those two as one and the same. Other people do not. So I'm going to say dichotomy for right mm. now, but I'm also not willing to take a bullet for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not willing to take a bullet for you either. I'm still on the, <laughs> I think, trichotomy. Um, Barbara, where, where are you at? I don't know. I kind of disagree. I go with the, the trichotomy. It's more so because I see a, yeah, I definitely Christian. see the, <laughs> it is not just because I'm, I'm disagreeing. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing, but for the sake of disagreeing, I'm, I, it's because I definitely, I, I see the line. <laughs> so when, when I think of the three, I see the body as an all encompassing figure. It's the physical manifestation of something that holds a soul and a spirit. Now, the soul is what is really your emotions and your passion, like like your interests or um, how you live your everyday life, um, whether it's very little passion for the day or you wake up in the morning with a giant smile on your face. But the spirit is, like Christian said, is how you view the supernatural, the paranormal. It's some have a very soft sense when it comes to that and they can't really sense different you know other spirits or or god himself or angels or anything like that but there are some people who can feel the hand of god who who hear his whispers and who can um you know john sometimes hears my soul whispering to him and I him because we are we are one and we're soulmates but it's also with our children we sometimes ask each other hey what did you say did you hear that and it's like our child's voice from across the room or in a different room we're hearing their spirit but it's it's mm. also that that is what the part of us um that would essentially go to heaven after after our physical body passes on it's you know a higher form kind of yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to throw a bunch of wrenches into everything here <laughs> to kind of explain why this has been so debated throughout all of Christian history and um, why I don't think any of us would take a bullet for our positions. <laughs> um, but no, I do, I do think all that's really interesting what Barbara was talking about. And as someone who grew up Pentecostal, I definitely do have a bias here where like, you know, I've um, I don't usually talk about this kind of stuff, but I'm going to do it on a podcast. Oh, no. I've seen angels, right? I've seen before where someone's bone was clearly snapped into set back into place and healed you know and i'm like i've seen too much you know i lived through a car accident where the doctors said it was a miracle the other guy's lawyer was like let's get one thing straight first it was a miracle you survived and i'm like well if the other guy's lawyer says it you know that's the worst thing for him to say possible so so at that point it's like i feel like it's just yeah it's a miracle um you know, so I, I've experienced too much and seen too much to not believe in some kind of spiritual world. So that is also where mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, I definitely have a spirit and it definitely intermingles with other spiritual things and connects and has this experience with other spirits. And, mm -hmm. you know, th th I believe in a spiritual realm very strongly. Um, and yeah, I'm biased. So, I, you know, I got to throw that out there. But yeah, there, there are a lot of different issues. Um, and, and for me, one of it is. The things that I contribute to a soul is just 
something because I can explain it with science, right? A lot of the stuff that my soul figures out, even like when you speak in mm-hmm. tongues, they've done a read and parts of your brain highlight that usually don't highlight and it highlights more to me. That's evidence that something's really going on there, but also whatever is truly, really going on of God interacting with you, it's interacting with your body. So that has to be mm-hmm. something separate than the soul. As far as I'm concerned, um, which is hard to explain. So a lot of my wanting to go to trichotomy is because there's definitely this thing that's a soul where God's interacting with me, but that's definitely more tied to my body than what I would say my spirit is. But also here's where we get annoying. Uh, our bodies rise again in the end. So all, maybe it's all embodied and that's why our True. bodies rise again at the end, because we need our bodies for our souls to exist because our souls are embodied things. Um, you also have where some of your early church fathers didn't like the idea of dichotomy because our souls, a lot of people truly in the Bible, you see they had a wicked soul or they were able to do evil things because of what was in their soul. And they said, well, if your soul and spirit are the same and that's the thing that communicates with God and it can be evil, well, God can't communicate with evil. So that doesn't make any sense. So they had to have some other thing that's communicating with God that isn't harmed by the evil that was within our soul. And that's where you get some of the trichotomy beliefs also. But then when you come to our dichotomy stuff, um, it just it seems very weird to kind of it, it almost makes more sense to just kind of wrap your some of the stuff that we think of a soul up as just yeah, that's just body. There's body. And then there's that thing that's not body that goes to heaven. So there's a little bit more of a common sense, straightforward approach to that, too, that also makes a lot of sense. Like, I can't be like any of this. I don't look at it and go, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. All of the views. I'm like, no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, did any of these kind of thoughts of like, how do we communicate with God? If we have an evil soul or why is our body does our body necessary to raise again? Like, have those questions ever come up to you guys whenever you're wrestling with these kind of ideas? Well, first, there was one thing you mentioned there. I think that was kind of ridiculous to say, not that you were espousing it, but the idea that God can't contact with evil. Well, then God can't contact anybody, in my opinion, based on how things go. Like every single person God talked to in scripture that wasn't named Jesus Christ. Well, he was only talking to the non-evil part of them. That's why it's separate from the soul. (laughs) What about you, Barbara? Anything as far as like that kind of stuff, have you ever wrestled with any of these ideas or thoughts or been challenged by any of this before? Well, early on before I, you know, self my, professed myself to be a Christian, it's, it was a lot more confusing. I want to say, because it's, you know, playing kingdom hearts, I'm playing it as, you know, a 10, 12, 13 year old non-Christian. In fact, I was actually an atheist when I was younger. It, it, kind of opened up myself to the fact well you know the spirit's just something that lives inside your body and it doesn't really go anywhere um and w- when you think of soul it's just you know a type of music that's that's really what you think about and you know <laughs> yeah. after after you just open yourself up to spirituality and to god himself it's a completely different picture yeah then yeah it, yeah it actually it makes me think of um everyone's gonna love to hear me say this name this should also be part of the drinking game take a shot every time i say c.s lewis um, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 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 well, it, well will has one word every lewis, time i say kingdom hearts, kingdom or dark hearts. Ducks. now we're at it sorry will um, but uh yeah he's mad he didn't even be by listening joy. to this one yeah he looked at this episode and said i'll take a shot and move on <laughs> no but uh surprised by joy 
um, C.S. Lewis kind of does like this autobiography, but it's not really about, yeah, it's whatever. But he, he describes these feelings he has where something outside of this world grasp him and he describes it as joy and something mm -hmm. that's separate from happiness to him and i think that's the kind of moment we're talking about where there's something in you whether it's from mm -hmm. a book or something else that's like just you can't describe that feeling because it's like almost otherworldly and exactly. maybe we can get a brain scanner and see what parts of the brain light up and we see what that is but when you're on ground experiencing it you know that that is something more and maybe it is within mm -hmm. my body but it's interacting with something outside my body um, and what's funny is, you know, he describes all these different places where he saw it and he sparked and that's where he felt God, I, you know, sometimes it's playing kingdom hearts. You know, I get this feeling and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that moved me right deeply moved me when I see like stuff like what happened with Kyrie and Zora or, you know, Doctor Who recently we see the doctor gets to heal. I'm not going to give anything other than that. But <laughs> yeah, it, it moved me. Mm -hmm. Right. And these are secular things. But then once you kind of realize that what it is is moving you is more than what's here and you kind of search that out and you discover god you discover the bible you realize mm -hmm. no there's a reason this stuff is moving me so maybe soul and the spirit's the same and that thing that's moving me is able to be read by a scanner but that's also just because i have an embodied soul maybe it's something separate maybe there is my body and then there's also my spirit and that spirit is triggered by what my body is observing and what's going on and it's telling me there's something more that i need to yearn for um sorry not to go on the thing but it's just it's interesting to think about these things now that we talked about both uh do you guys think kingdom hearts did a did an okay job like i know they weren't trying to do christian theology but uh <laughs> as far as like if we compare the two is there much separate from how people view this stuff to how it works in kingdom Hearts world christian i'm gonna say ultimately no i love the series to death it is a convoluted jungled mess that if you don't actually read things, you may understand 25% of what's going on. If you read things, you may understand 80%. Like, I was going to say half. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as like a FromSoft game where if you definitely don't read anything, you won't understand a single thing that's going on. No Dark Souls, no Bloodborne, no Elden Ring. You're not going to know nothing. Uh, or Sekiro. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this man. is handled better if you understand things, if you read things. But the way the series itself explains things, no, I can't in good faith say it does it extremely well. <laughs> well, I'll be controversial here because I think I'm the, the least conservative one of the group today. I also don't think the Bible does a very good job of explaining the separation of soul and spirit or the body because it kind of just throws these terms around like we're supposed to know what they are. And I don't feel like the Bible has any clear definition or index of let me explain mm -hmm. what we meant when we said soul here. And I, I think maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not about understanding exactly what parts make up a man and rather understanding that I am a true embodied person. And part of that person includes a soul and or spirit that yearns for something more. So, you know, I think kingdom hearts and the Bible, both uh, don't really explain it, but do get at something of there being more to a person than just person. Mm -hmm. Barbara, what's your, what's your take? I think the game definitely did a very good job of confusing everyone. But at the same time, I mean, you're right. True. You're, you're right. I mean, I, I most of the times I wish the Bible had like an index or a glossary or something. And I know um, some of like the learning Bibles do at the very, you know, the bottom of the footnotes. But at the same time, a lot of words are used, you know, um, intersparingly. They, they uh, use them yeah. interchangeably, too. And it's like, well... If you're going to use spirit and soul interchangeably, is there really a true <laughs> definition for either one? 
Yeah. Yeah. And if uh, if you're in the inerrancy camp and you come to Hebrews four and you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean divide spirit and soul this whole time? You've been using them interchangeably. How could they be exactly. different? Maybe that's the point. Maybe they're not different. And the Bible is so good that it splits apart things that we can't even tell a difference in. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it is fascinating that the author used both terms there because you're like, wait a minute. Huh? <laughs> Um, and it's fascinating that Kingdom Hearts has, you know, you, nobody's and heartless, but also, you know, you might be able to summon someone if their spirit's strong enough. Like, wait a minute, their spirit's involved too? What? <laughs> Who knows? And I think that's the perfect ending. This is basically dummy the for theology, Christian, where at the end, we're just going to say, who knows? Figure it out, guys. Here's three questions. To <laughs> <laughs> you successfully hoodwinked me into doing one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. With that, well, with that, that lure that. of Kingdom Hearts, you, you planted something on my head. Kingdom Hearts right in front of me. I'm just out of grasp. I can't reach it, and I keep running after it. Oh, man. Perfect. Perfect. Just imagine if you followed a story where the love interest have spent 20 years trying to get together now, and they still have yet to figure out. I want them to eat that goddamn uh, fruit. Oh, uh, man. The Palpu fruit? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and on that note, Let's jump to our wrap up. <laughs> Christian, would you go ahead and start us off with a recommendation today? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I have not played the games. So let me preface it with that. But I did watch the Five Night at Freddy's, a movie, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. It's not going to be on my top 100 list anytime soon. But as someone who knows, like, knows nothing about the lore or anything, like I walked in, there were things I didn't understand, but I had a good time. It's not the most solid movie in the world. I'd probably, you know, fire the scriptwriter who made it, but I had a good time. <laughs> a lot of people probably feel similarly about Kingdom Hearts, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Barbara, you have a recommendation for everyone today? Uh, yeah, yeah. My kids and I, although they're probably way too young to watch it, we've been watching One Piece, the anime. Yes. Nice. We, we are, oh. I think, 18 episodes in and we've got a thousand to go. Oh, man, I'm a. <laughs> they gotta start somewhere. Yeah, you know. Listen, I mean, for the, the great part about One Piece little... is that you'll never finish One Piece. Oh, we've been doing oh. two episodes a day, so uh, we'll be done in about twenty years, maybe. Maybe there you go. probably not. You'll just catch up to where we are now in twenty years. Uh, then you'll have twenty more years of stuff to catch up. On. Oh yeah. I mean, oh man. That's what makes it great. I mean, you always have something to fall yeah. back on. Yeah, I um, I actually reminded myself earlier, I was recording Count the Ketchup with uh, Will and um, Kevin, and we talked about uh, some different comics and stuff we're into, and, mm -hmm. and he brought up some Harley Quinn comics, Kevin did, which reminded me of uh, G. Willow Wilson's run with Poison Ivy. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's definitely not for kids. Um, it, yeah, definitely has different values than I do. But uh, very strong feminist point of view, very strong. Hey, let's not be jerks and destroy the world for our children's kind of view. I, I thought it was I think it's a really good run. Um, it's not a new run by any means, but if you haven't picked it up yet, G. Willow Wilson's an incredible author. I definitely recommend picking up her at least some of the volumes of Poison Ivy by G. Willow Wilson. All right. So with that, guys, um, thank you guys for checking the episode out. You know, stay tuned. You can stay tuned after the episode and we're going to discuss 
what we think were the hardest bad guys to fight. Heartless Nobodies Unversed. What did we have the hardest time with when we played the game? So stay tuned. We'll do that for our Captivate and patron listeners after the episode. So be sure to subscribe. Also, make sure you rate our show on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if you're on YouTube, smash that like and subscribe button. And of course, we need to do one very, very important thing for us. And to remember, for all the chosen people, a geekdom of priests. Hi, my name is TJ Blackwell, also known as Tejas, Tiberius Wan, Tejas Jackson, uh, Kung Fu Dugong recently. I go by many, many names. And I, I came here today to ask you to please check out our YouTube channel. Uh, there are a bunch of exclusive series there, like Comic Book Ketchup, Manga Mustard, Drinks with Tejas, which is my personal favorite, the one where I get to talk to other people about their favorite drinks or just drinks in general. Uh, we have a companion series to our annual theme on YouTube. We do Friday Night Frights. And Wednesday Night Weeaboo, those are both ran by Christian Ashley. He's great. Check him out. Uh, there are exclusive shorts, which are pretty new. Uh, Christian reviews. He's going to review every Spider-Man comic one at a time, which is insane. Uh, Non-canon, which is where Joshua will be reviewing one IP from outside of canon in his favorite fandoms or a piece of literature that is part of the biblical extra canonical material, which is a super interesting short series. Uh, Will's Wednesday pull list where he talks about his comic book pull list each week. He picks a top comic for his weeklies and there are other surprise bonus content. It goes straight to YouTube and many of our regular podcast episodes get posted there as well because, you know, we like to see each other when we talk and we don't want to rob you of that ability. Uh, so check us out, like, subscribe. We would appreciate it so much and it helps us a ton. Thank you. Hello, friends. If you like systematic ecology, then there's a host of other podcasts in our network that we think you will like just as much. And so we are part of the Anazal Ministry Podcast Network, and we hope that you can hop over and subscribe uh, with all the podcasts that are in our network. Like, for instance, the homily, which is, hey, Pastor Will Rose's sermon here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. You have another podcast called The Whole Church Podcast, the OG, the originals, the beginner of it all. Yes, Joshua Noel and TJ working for unity among the church and having great conversations with the wide spectrum of those who are involved in Christian ministry and the church. You have My Seminary Life, uh, by Brandon Knight, who's discussing what he's learning in seminary, what's he is learning his theological studies and, and bringing to the surface uh, those big things that we're wrestling with and thinking through theologically in the church and beyond. There's the Let Nothing Move You podcast from Christian Ashley, who is walking through the Bible in a very Bible study type fashion and walking through the biblical narrative. You have Dummy for Theology. I don't think Joshua is a dummy, but hey, he's going to lift up theological themes that he's thinking about and wrestling with. And maybe there's not a lot of um, answers, but there's definitely a lot of great questions out there that he's lifting up with some great theologians across the whole spectrum of Christianity. And then there's the Bible After Hours. Man, if you like to get risky, if you like to get controversial, there's this foul-mouthed preacher who goes from goes through the Bible from a more progressive point of view, challenging the status quo of the modern church. Yeah, yeah, you don't want any kids around 
with, with that podcast. And then you have the Clydes, uh, one of my favorite couples uh, that I like to listen to. One of the hosts here on Systematic Ecology, Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde, go through weekly discussions and kind of a devotional, conversational method of, of what's going on in their lives, uh, where they see God moving in their lives, and what God is up to in the world. So those are the podcasts a part of the AMP Network. Subscribe, follow, we hope you can be a part of all that great network with the wonderful podcasts at AMP.